let's, hit, let's hit record. So um, I'm sat here. It's really weird. This is I'm sat here with one of my best friends and um, most treasured mentors. I'm sat talking to Charlie Gladstone um, over Zoom, obviously. And Charlie, um, number one, how are you? I'm really well, Mark. You know, it's really, really odd. I have seen you once in the last year properly during the time when we were allowed to see each other. But we've done so much stuff together and had so many chats. I do find it quite hard. I've had this with other people, you know, who I work with to actually believe that I haven't seen you for yeah. so long. I mean, Zoom, you know, Zoom can be, I, a lot of people go on about, you know, the negatives of Zoom. I think it's absolutely unbelievable. And I, I also think for people like me who are very bad at chatting on the phone, um, because I always need to be doing something else because I'm just, you know, got that kind of slightly kind of hyperactive gene. Zoom is great because you are actually in the room with someone. Yeah. I mean, I know, you know, I even know what room you're in and, and where you where your sofa is because you normally sit under your blur poster there, right? That's exactly right. <laughs> right. We've got new carpet tiles from um, Interface. And so we've cleared the space and then not bothered putting them down for two weeks because I really enjoy all this, all of this real estate around me. It's amazing. I, it's funny. I've just, I've started working in another room, actually. I think, you know, the environment you work in can check. It isn't. You know, it has to be it has to be good, but you it can't it needs to change with me as well. You know, I, I've spent I'm sitting at our kitchen table now, but I've I haven't, you know, I I get bored of places quite quickly. And the actual physical energy of the space I find really quite useful. I don't need anywhere generally particularly kind of fancy. I just need the right energy in there. I, I agree with you entirely. Um it's very funny actually. I'm just I'm just gonna look to the words I typed earlier today. So I I messaged a, fr a friend of mine who who is a who is a um, state agent in London um, messaged me just for a bit of you know I, I, it's more than selling property it's and I just typed I typed these words I said place and purpose provide conditions for life aligning people place and purpose is magical and that's where growth happens and and that's the truth you know the space that we sit in and and it doesn't have to be big in fact it can be tiny. And it can be even like a library cubicle can be really creative if it's if it's where we feel. Yeah, it can. I mean, I I, I do have a, 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 you know, an affliction, which is a good thing on some levels. But I am such a rigorous kind of, I suppose, I suppose what you call is a seat that I just need it to be right. Whatever it is, it can be it can be my car. I mean, I do, yeah. I do you know, I do quite a lot of phone calls and even Zoom in my car. Um, and if as long as I like my car, that's fine. But the minute I don't like it, and that's not to say it has to be perfect. You know, my car is pretty untidy, um, <laughs> say the least. <laughs> um, <laughs> so look, you're, 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 you're sat in your kitchen and you're, you're sat amongst um, your family and your family are, are your team. And what I wanted to talk to you about today is your new book, um, from the Do Book Company, which is called Do Team, how to get the best from everyone. And, um, and I'm not surprised that it's you that's written this book because I've met your team, whether they've been the team down at Peddlers, as was, or whether it's the team up at Harden or the team at The Good Life or the team at Glendie. I've met all of those teams and there are many more teams that you run. And I, I have never felt such loyalty and such 
sense of purpose in, in teams. I've never felt it. So you've got some kind of magic in you, Charlie, that helps people come alive when they come together. And I think that's quite exceptional. Well, it's very, it's nice of you to say that, Mark. I mean, I, I think that I, I'm, you know, I'm 57 years old, and a little bit older than you. I've been working, I've been self-employed since 1989. Um, and I've set up, you know, lots of businesses in that time. And, and, and through the doors of those businesses has gone hundreds and hundreds of people. And I think what I've, what I've kind of identified is that that, that people is my main strength. And I think that's because I actually genuinely am interested in people. And I don't think that, I think you, I, my dad was like, my dad was massively keen on people, particularly young people. He was a teacher and then a headmaster. And then all the way through his life, he was super keen on people. And I think, I think that, that that comes very naturally to me, but, but you can learn it. And I think if you're interested in people, you can build good teams. And I, th I suppose thinking about it, you need to be interested in them in order to encourage them to thrive. But I think you need to be interested in them in order to spot their skills as well and to, and to kind of to help lead them on. And, and I, think, I think, but I, I think you, my theory is you can learn this. And I, I, it, was, it was Miranda, the, the, um, the, the publisher at Do, that suggested that I did this book because the, the principal criteria for a Do book is to have a skill clearly, but you need to have spoken at the Do lectures. And in order to in order to qualify for that, and and I, I I Miranda it was Miranda who sort of said you know I think you should possibly consider doing this, and it took me quite a long time to um, to do it because I, I am being very British, a little bit modest about telling people that I'm any better at anything than they are, and I also wanted to get into shape that I really did understand what I wanted to say, and. Um, and then eventually at the last Good Life experience, which was 20 months ago now or something like that before lockdown, I wrote a talk um, that I did at the Good Life experience. And then I rewrote it. And a week later, I did it at um, an event that Holly Tucker ran in London called, um, I think it's called the Communion of Inspiration. Fant unbelievably good event, huge sort of numbers of people. And, and having done both of those, I sort of thought, actually you know what I think I have probably got enough to um to do and 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 I I I don't you know I think I don't want to paint myself sort of one trick pony but I think that you can have all the best ideas in the world you can be brilliant and fearless and and good with money and and good with strategy and and all the rest of it and but if you're not good with people I just I don't think you can ever build a great company and so I tend to have employed people who are really good at the things that I'm not good at. And, and I, I, I thought, I, I mean, if I'm not, when I started my business peddlers, which we now no longer have, I thought that that would make me rich. I mean, not, not rich in terms of, you know, hedge fund rich, but that would be where the money would come. And truthfully, the money never really, I mean, it came and we employed its biggest, quite a lot of people. But, but the, the reality was that I think that most of the people that worked for that company had a great experience working there. And so probably the legacy of that time was, was, was the people. It was the people. Um, and uh, so, I, yes, it, it's really interesting to, to write a book because you'll know what it's like having done two of these books for Do. 
the 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 structure of a book such as a do book is quite is quite rigorous it's not like writing a novel i mean clearly novels have standard structures but they're you know you can you can write a novel in any kind of language or format or whatever that you want but but um the the, the do book people really do make you think about what you're going to say and how you're going to say it and how it appeals to their audience and actually i think they make it i mean i think miranda in particular makes it quite easy to do because she's yeah, so she gives you such a clear structure i i, I agree um and you know without wanting to praise her to the skies but she deserves it she is no nonsense utterly clear visionary and and always right <laughs> no, no matter yeah. how many times i try and argue that she isn't she proves to be right every single time it makes our lives a lot easier even though it can feel a trickier at, at one or two moments through the process yeah i mean i have to also say that you know i i do think that my principal skill is the people and i am very happy with this book and i i do th think that the ba basic philosophy that i've outlined in it which is that you know, people matter more than anything else. And that the basic currency of kindness, consideration, clear communication, organization, removal of chaos, the kind of encouragement of people to, to be better is actually a fundamental of good business, but feels really relevant for the moment. I mean, I feel like the next generation of, of young people are just gonna want much more from their work than, than you're in my generation, indeed our parents' generation ever wanted. And I think as the kind of lines between work and play blur, and, and the truth is that any, anyone in their own business is, doesn't have a work-life balance. It's just a nonsense to think you can have that. You know, the idea that you can create these things that make you comfortable and happy and empower you in work really is quite important and, and you know I think we, we, we're, we're all you know we spend our lives dedicated I hope trying to be as kind and considerate and motivating and generous to our children other halves family friends whatever you might have and so often that's kind of left behind and and, and I think that the sort of the sort of fundamental kind of moral code of, of the behavior that you on the whole bring home we can all be ourselves. I can be as big an arsehole as the next person. You know, need to be, you know, need, we need to understand that those need to work at work as well as at play. And, and so there are, I've, I've really focused on basic things like trying to identify who's great to work with you, how to kind of get that person to work with you first, but then most importantly, how to nurture that person through your business. And a lot of the young people that work for me will leave me eventually and go elsewhere and you know what, what I really want is when they go elsewhere I want them to go you know that that was an, that was an interesting um that was an interesting company you know I, I I really like my time there but god it taught me a lot and and I I will never I will never work in a kind of place that taught me so much and 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 in order to do that I think you have to respect people as an individual don't you I mean I you, agree with that there's so much in there Charlie to tease with um, or, or to tease out. So, so, so firstly, I want, I'm going to come back to curiosity in a minute. But firstly, one of the things that you said was fascinating. You talked about kindness, care, nurturing, lifting, and how, how we're like that at home, but actually we sometimes forget that at work. I've seen that the other way around I've, as well. So I've seen people 
understand how their team at work works and lift them, but not have the same decency when, when they're talking to or about their family. So that, that I find that utterly, utterly frightening. But I'm with you on the, the core point is that if we lift everyone higher, then we go further or taller. And the, 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 the downgrading of relationships within a business and the petty squabbles can be super destructive on on so on so many levels. It can I, because you know everyone everyone is everyone is as important as everyone else, and that is the absolute truth. Whether you like it or not, the guy who who cleans you know cleans the loos at night, or the guy who stacks the shelves in in, um, in Sainsbury's, is absolutely just as important as the the guy who who runs you know the biggest corporation or the or the biggest rock star. And I think if you if you fundamentally understand that, then you're you're beginning things are beginning to work. And I think in order to understand that, you have to realise that everybody is somebody else's you know son or daughter, husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend. And I think for me, having children really helped me in that. I mean, my children are relatively grown up now. They range from thirty one to um, to to twenty. And but so five of them work, and one's at university. And you know. It's quite shocking how bad some of the stories that they they have in the past told me from some of their companies are. I mean, I'm pleased to say without wishing to kind of um, in any way qualify that, that they all work now on the whole for people who are extremely good with people. There may be no accident there. But, you know, I just I think people can be incredibly unpleasant and, you know, what they forget is that just because they're the boss at work doesn't mean that someone doesn't go home and spit rage with them. And I think ultimately, you know, when we get wheeled down the aisle or, or stuck in the incinerator or whatever it is that's going to happen to us in the end, you know, the legacy is never going to be, uh, well, she, you know, she created, you know, 13 amazing companies that turned over 7.23 billion pounds. You know, the legacy is going to be um, although that person may have given that all to charity, so that is a big legacy. But, you know, the legacy of a normal person is just going to be, you know, he or she affected a lot of people's lives. And they were, you know, she was really kind to me when I was difficult. You know, he took the time to show me um, these, you know. And I think, I think, you know, it doesn't take much just to connect with someone and to say, I think that, you know, thank you for what you've done. I think that you are really good at this. I think you're not so good at that. So I'm going to explain to you why I think you can get that right. And I'm going to give you more of this to do. And I'm going to also understand that, you know, how to, I mean, clear communication and organization are two of the fundamental tenets of my book, because I think that so often people are, do not explain to people what they want. And, and I also think that the, the greatest kindness that you can do yourself is to be organized. Um, I mean, people talk endlessly about meditation and sleep and exercise and food, and those things are fine. But if your life is chaos and you can't find your keys any morning and you've always lost your laptop charger and, and you've forgotten your to-do list, then it's a constant stress. Um, it's really interesting, that is. Um, I'm gonna, I am going to come back to curiosity in a minute because it's fascinating. But when you said... Um, you went through a list of core principles of business and one of them was the removal of chaos and it really struck a note with me because I don't think I've always been very good at that I think I think I've used chaos as cover fire sometimes 
not now, but I think in the past I, I, I have. And, and, and the kind of recipe for removing chaos, being becoming organized, because there are so many people who almost become identified with being the disorganized one. Almost, almost romanticizing this disheveled, disorganized approach to life. But of course, there's always someone there tidying up after them. Yeah, yes. You know, that's that's possibly fine. I mean, maybe they, maybe that is a good system. I mean, that's just two people doing one person's job. But for most of us, relatively mere mortals, <laughs> I think if you want to run a, if you want to run a family or a company, even if it's just you and the postman and your delivery guy and your accountant in your company. You know, it just helps to be organized, filing things away um, and, and um, you know, knowing where things are, understanding that you're gonna to have to file your tax return at the end of the year. You know, it, it, it isn't difficult. Um, and and, and I, think, I think that that sort of chaos is, 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 is something that you can't live with. I mean, to an extent, I think it's a bit like, you know, everybody's stressed everybody's tired, everybody thinks they're really busy. Now, maybe we should just get over ourselves and just say, actually, you know, the main thing I can do is be organized and that will relieve myself from so much of this stuff. Because when I need to leave to go onto my Zoom meeting, I can find Zoom, yeah. there it is. You know, there, there's the link. Um, when I, you know, when I, um, when I need to leave to go to the airport, I know exactly where my passport is. There's my to-do list and all that stuff. Um, it just, it just helps because we've all got a lot going on. I'm with you all the way. And I'm, I'm going to come back to curiosity because that, that's something that shines through you. Um, two, two, two curse, kindness and curiosity. And, um, you personify both of those two things. Being curious about the people that you employ allows you, in my mind, allows you to see their strengths more clearly and to see the fit with the business more clearly. Um, how do you encourage curiosity within your team for people coming in? And how do you ensure that you stay curious? Is this empathy? Is this, I mean, what, what, what is it? What is the key element? Interesting, I mean, interesting question. I mean, the answer to the first one is encouraging curiosity is just, I think, a very simple thing of, 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 of asking people just to look around them. And of course, some people aren't curious and some are. But, but my, my sort of thing that I say in the book is that, you know, this may be a bit disingenuous, but we all sniff at train spotters. You know, um, oh look, you know these men on in their anoraks on the train station. But but actually, they're just as interesting as people like you and I who are mesmerised by other things. All you've got to do is actually say to them, I, you know, I'm really intrigued by your hobby because to me it just seems a bit, you know, a bit unusual, and I don't really get it. And I'm actually genuinely interested in finding out about it. And you'll find that within about 20 minutes to talking to them, you'll be thinking, God, I, okay, I get it. You know, that is interesting now. And, and, and I think that, you know, these, 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 these hobbies are, of course, what make people interesting. Um, but, but I think it's this, I think it, the, the, the best way to be curious is to ask questions. Yeah. You know, and, and, and not just to talk about yourself all the time and, and to ask someone, so, what, so remind me what your job is. I, I, I always forget what your job is. You know, if you meet them in the pub or at a dinner party or whatever, you know, what is your, you know, or the, or the postman, say to the postman. So I assume you have a life outside being a postman. You know, what, what's, what's your interest? And, and you're quite quickly fine. I mean, we've got a delivery guy here who, who used to be the kit man at Tramia Rovers FC. 
I mean, how cool is that? You know, I bet that 99% of people that deal with him just treat him like the DHL man. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and yet whenever I see him, we can have an interesting chat. And I find that genuinely interesting, fascinating to me. Uh, may not be so everyone, but and, and, he, and then I discovered that he's absolutely nuts on fishing. And then I discovered that he used to go fishing somewhere the other day where my family used to live near to Liverpool. And, and I, you know, I knew where this pond was and stuff. And, you, you know, it got, that, that's, that's how you encourage curiosity. And, and I think it's, it's partly just asking. I think it's, I think, you know, I also, I'm, I'm, I'm a share of enthusiasms and I think you soon learn what enthusiasms to share with people. So I will often ping members of my team, you know, an email that I think will interest them um, with a link or, or a photograph or a whatever. And I, I pretty much know who to send that to and who not to send that to quite, quite quickly. That's interesting. <laughs> you know? and um, it's, 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 that's quite fascinating, that is. I mean, and like you, that curiosity outside of the nine to five is a massive part of a of a of bonding of of some oh it's huge you're hugely good at it as well well it's 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 something that i find really easy and 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 yet it's something that i've worked i've worked i managed a team in bradford at bradford at a really interesting environmental consultancy about bloody hell charlie um i want to say I want to say 25 years ago. That's that's what I want to say that was. Probably yeah, I, that right. And it was perceived as very unusual that I'd be interested in sitting and talking to people. Well, should, should we pop out for a quick cuppa and 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 have and find out about what they did and what they believed in? It was seen as like like that that's that's personal, that's not work. I find it very interesting, these barriers that people put up between the two things. And I don't I don't have them, and that's there's maybe a, a weakness there. How do you respect those barriers as well as um, become enthusiastic across them? Well, isn't that an interesting thing? I, 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 do you know, I don't really know the answer to that. What I would say is that I can see that for someone like me, it can be quite annoying to some of my um, colleagues because my relentless kind of positivity and upbeatness, I can see can be a, a, a tad oppressive. Um, but I mean, you have to just kind of be who you are and just accept, you know, accept that. And I, I can see that someone, you know, someone may want to just be, you know, in a, in a sulk occasionally. I would try to respect that. I certainly wouldn't take it personally. Um, I don't take those sort of things personally at all. But I think, I, I, you know, I can see there's a slight, there is a slight problem there in terms of, um, of not trying to overly impose a way of doing things. In terms of the barrier, well, I'm only talking about a fairly niche area, aren't I, Mark? You know, like you, like I imagine most people are interested in, in, in what, you, what you do, what I do. You know, we're generally working in relatively small business, in relatively creative areas, you know, in, in um, or, or, you know, uh, the professions which are more kind of, I suppose, arts-based. And, and ultimately, you know, I, I I just I want to make friends with people. I don't. They don't have to tell me their secrets, but I want to know you know what what music they like if they like music. What sort of books they like. You know where they where they go on. You know where they'd like to go on holiday. Um, you know what what sort of stuff they like. And I I just I just like to know that. If they don't want to talk to me about it, it'll be fairly clear fairly soon. But I do think that there is you know are working in different ways. And the world is changing. And I think that the jobs that we have 
are more inclusive of you know they they operate more less much more than nine to five um you know weekends are less of a thing but but i'd also say that ultimately not you know it's my methods and my way of doing things aren't for everyone i mean no one has to come and work for me you know what i mean you know we're, we're no one has to be in our team no one has to be my colleague so you know if they don't like that way of doing things then there are plenty of other opportunities open to them um, but I, so I, I think I'm trying, I would be respectful. I do recognize that, you know, I, my way of doing things can be slightly annoying. And, but I, but I mean, I think ultimately, you know, that's my culture and I, I'm, I'm lucky enough to be, you know, to be the person who set up these companies. And I would hope there would be enough people who like that way of doing things to understand it. And I think this is part of all of this is that I'm never saying that my way is perfect not on any level, you know, not at all. I'm just saying that that is the way that I like to do things. And I think some people come and it's not for them and then others hang around. Um, do you be able to attract, I mean, you, you know, where your businesses are, with the exception of, of, of when you were based in London, where your businesses are, it's sorry, the shop, because I appreciate Peddlers was based elsewhere. Um, do you struggle to attract and retain talent or do you find... Do you find it finds you? I don't struggle at all to, I don't think we struggle at all to attract and retain talents. I mean, I think both in North Wales, where we have um, the Good Life Society, which is the sort of festival and camp business. Um, we've got this big farm shop and cafe. We've got the pub and restaurant. We've got the event space. Um, and in Scotland, where we have our Glendie Capitan Costures thing, which is essentially a holiday business and, um, and also a residential course business. We don't seem to struggle at all to attract people because um, I think there are, you know, cities are overrated. There are a load of really brilliant young people who do not want to be in cities. Yeah, they are not failures because they haven't settled in Manchester or Edinburgh or Bristol or London. They don't want to be there. And I have some absolutely fantastic people in both locations who just decided they don't want to be in London. I mean, my, my, you know, for, for, for example, just my um, creative director of the farm shop and um, the, uh, the pub and, and the good life is a girl who was a, um, trained as a menswear designer in, in, um, in London, decided she didn't like it. And she works with us and her other half also works with us. And, you know, they are super metropolitan, highly, highly tuned in, you know, to what's going on in the world, sophisticated people. They just don't want to be in London. And in a weird way, of course, it's a lot easier for us to attract those sort of people if because, you know, there aren't as many perhaps businesses that are operating in the same sphere as we are um, in these areas where we're trying to be kind of, you know, we're trying to do things on a world class level. Um, so maybe it's even a bit easier. That's really interesting. So when you're when you're the best gig in town then the talent, finds, the talent finds you because people are looking for a different way of living and a different way of working. Um, that's really interesting, that is. I think One that's the, right. I mean, again, I, 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 you know, I, that seems to be the case. And there are all sorts of amazing people. I mean, Rachel, who is my, who runs our businesses in, in Scotland, um, came to us many years ago um, as a part-time secretary. And, you know, we liked her and she liked us. And now she works about sort of eight days a week with the volume turned up to 11 
managing all sorts of complicated things from accounts to, you know, HR, um, you know, so we just grew and, you know, she normally someone doing that position would be qualified um, as some sort of, you know, chartered this or chartered that, but, but she doesn't need to be because, you know, we found each other. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm, I'm, I think qualifications are greatly overrated. That sounds really bad, doesn't it? <laughs> In retrospect, but I, think well, I mean, I think, you need, I think you need to learn in any business when to use accountants, when to use, um, you know, when to use, uh, you know, whatever it might be, uh, lawyers. But, but you don't, you know, I, th- I think you don't have to be quite as, um, it, it isn't quite as simplistic as that, I don't think. I think um, that's true. And one of the first, I think, you know, I do write in the um, in the book a bit actually about interviewing people and, and how I think you should interview people and, and how I think you do that that works for you and also works for the individual that you're interviewing. And then one of the things that I one of the conclusions that I reach is that ultimately, you know, if you feel good about the person, if you like them, they like you, and you you get on well, then you can probably teach them a whole amount. Whereas you may have the absolute best chef or, you know, whatever in the world, if, you know, may have taught, who may have cooked at, you know, the French laundry or whatever it is. But if you don't get on with each other, it's not going to work. And um, and I, I so I, I think the kind of raw material of, of just great people who are interested in what you're doing is more important than, than the other way around. I agree with that. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this. One of my favorite bits of this one page, your thing about be decisive. And I loved, I loved the brevity and the um, importance of this page. It's in the chapter on gentle leadership, which in itself is really intriguing, right? Cause we, you know, our role models, we've talked about this, our role models for business leadership tend to be shouty, aggressive people on the TV. And that, that isn't helping anybody. And I'm a big fan of gentle leadership. And you and I both have um, a love of kindness as a, as a leadership um, strength. Um, but you're talking there about, about, about making decisions. And one of the key things, Charlie, that I loved about you when, when, when this lockdown happened is that you made decisions really quickly. You pulled together all of the information in, in the normal t- um, time, space and time. You, t- you took your time looking at everything, but then you made decisions really quickly and you didn't look back. You didn't unmake those decisions. That, that requires a huge amount of, um, of I'm going to say, confidence, bravery. It, it requires you backing yourself. How do you engender the confidence to be able to make decisions quickly and to not double make them? I think it's one of the cases where you, interesting question, Mark, and I think it's, I think it's one of the cases where you just have to lead from the front. So my, my broadly, my, my theory in the book is that there is, you know, unless we're talking about murder or drug dealing or, 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 you know, getting addicted to crystal meth, there is no really big difference between a bad idea and a good idea. That what you've got to do is you've got, to, you've got to process what needs to be done, take a decision, jump off the edge, and it's how you react as you go along that counts. Now, that's not to say you can't change your mind and take, you know, even a U-turn or or say that didn't work, let's reiterate, let's, let's, let's get rid of that, let's do this. It, what it means is that you just 
just leading by showing people that a decision needs to be made and we can get on, we just get on with this. And it's how we mold that decision that works. So if you are, um, if you get married, a lot of people think, oh, my life's going to change now. I'm married. It's the most wonderful thing in all the world. Actually, the, the process of getting married, i.e. the decision, the point of jumping off, is a good party, but it's nothing else. It's how you two in that relationship mould things to work through, you know, disaster, success, hilarity, super stress, you know. And, and I think that that's my sort of theory, that, that ultimately it's what we do with the decision um, that works. And I think my job now really is, is trying to encourage the next generation of people i.e. my kids and uh, of my kind of key members of my team to thrive when I, you know, when I'm not around. I mean, I'm not planning to go anywhere soon. Bad luck, kids. But I'm, you know, I, and, and I think part of that is just saying, let's just make a decision. End of. And I think some people are quite unnerved by that to begin with. They say, do you still, do you still think that? I'm like, yes, I do. But I think when you make the decision, you've also, it's, it, the key thing is not again in the decision, it's in the communication of the decision. So I'm a massive advocate of, um, of writing things down. And I think this is where email is absolutely brilliant. So what, what we will do after a meeting or a decision has been made is either I or um, Tara, who is, uh, our third child, who is our senior project manager and is now the director of the Life Society, will write a really accurate note on that meeting. And, 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 I, and I will often write a really accurate note on what we're doing, why we're doing it, what we agreed, what the basic finances are, who's doing what. And then I think, you know, that, that's, that's when the decision becomes real. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, I'm quite impatient as well, which, which is a, much to my advantage, I think, in this regard, because I just cannot be bothered to, to, um, to, to prevaricate. I've never seen prevarication benefiting anyone. All the people who ring up 20 people and ask them how to make a decision. I've never seen that get a better result than just getting it. Um, I love that idea. And in fact, one of the guys who I really like, who works with us the other day, said to me, how do you do your market research? And, and, I, and I said, I don't, because you know what we do is we instinctively decide what we're doing. And then we work on that as we're going along. And I think probably that, that there's a lot to be said for that instinctive bit. You know, these aren't decisions that are just kind of randomly made up. They're not like spinning a, you know, spinning a, a, a big disc and going off in one direction. They're just things that feel, you know, feel right. You know what it's like, Mark. I, I mean, do. you've got a lot of... Got a lot of experience now. We're quite, we are, you know, we are quite wise. We've been doing this for years and years and years, all day, every day. I mean, I've not stopped working other than the odd Christmas day for 30 years. And I, you know, I'm always thinking about things. I was going to say stopping working on Christmas day happens, but the mind continues to, to, to turn. Just quickly, Charlie, before we finish, there's a couple of pieces in the book that were really resonant with me, really, um, really pokey, actually. One of them was on, on dealing with conflict. I am not very good at dealing with conflict. I'm tolerant, 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 and then I lose my shit. Um, how do you deal with conflict in a constructive way? I, 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 I've, I've written out a very clear mantra, and it's precisely how you would deal rationally with a child who was really, in a, really having a foul temper. And, and it's really the process of, of, of understanding that, you know, that person has an issue 
and, and trying to tease it out of them. Yeah. But I'm a, I am a great believer in trying to do what I suppose you'd describe as lancing the ball. I would much rather know if someone was unhappy. Yeah. And, and I think I think that, you know, you have to just be considerate and sit people down. And I think that it has to be dealt with. Um, the thing I can't, you know, I cannot be, I cannot abide um, uh, uh, sulking. But I also, I also feel that if people are angry, I can understand that they have a reason for being yeah. angry. And I don't take it personally, you know. And, and so I, I have, I've written some very simple work, ways that I think that, that you need to do this stuff. And I think, you know, I have tried finger on the unpleasant stuff because it's really easy hiring someone and, 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 and all being, you know, chirpy. It's much harder if you have a real trouble with them or if they, you know, if heaven forbid you have to sack them. And, and actually, again, it just has to be done with, with you know, empathy and humanity and kindness and directness. And, and, and honesty and respect. I've been in that position. I agree. And Charlie, I mean, just for that section on dealing with conflict alone, the, the book is worth its weight in gold, most, most gen, genuinely. And just one last question to finish, Charlie. What can The Clash teach us about building a team? Ah, oh, good. Yeah, well, I touched on that. And Jurgen Klopp, one of uh, two of my heroes or two of my groups of heroes. Um, I, I think it's this us against them. It's this mentality of we're the gang and we are the best. And it's quite good occasionally to have someone who's a bit of competition down the road who you don't like, that you can have a good slag off. It's what I call the huddle. It's that it's that the group with their arms around each other at Shea Stadium as they take the bow at the end of the show or the football team before the big game down in the huddle, you know, the, the sometimes it's got to be them against us. And it's possible, yeah, clash, I get that. You know, the clash understood this to, to in, a, in the most brilliant way and whether it was true or not, you know, they wore the same clothes, they talked the same language and they were going to be the biggest band in the world. And they, and, you know, they were much against that, well, that they were. And with history, they look even bigger. It's yeah, exactly. A really interesting yeah. one. Charlie, yeah. the, the, the book is brilliant. It's, it's an absolute, go to for anybody who's who's stepping into leadership you know management is is all well and good but leadership is 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 frankly much more important so i i, I firmly believe that that people should 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 have a read of this and you are one of the best uh, leaders and team creators i've ever worked with so um i've i just enjoy your company and i enjoy your <laughs> well I, the feeling is entirely mutual mark you're quite remarkable yourself and and the fact that you can give me this time in the middle of your unspeakably busy life um which is generally involved with caring for other people as far as i can work out you know uh, endless endless things online trying to make everyone else's life better but um yes. but thanks for doing that and it's really nice to actually you know to, to have a chance to talk to you but what I can't wait is to see you and everyone else. I can't wait either, Charlie. And it won't be long, right? So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm super, super It'll looking forward to this. Thank you, my dear friend. You're amazing. Charlie Gladstone, so are you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Stay on, there, Charlie. Stay okay. on. Right. I'm just going to stop recording. Um,